listening to Fox Sports Radio. Well, greetings and salutations, ladies and gentlemen, and fathers and sons and mothers and daughters, brothers and sisters, and grandma. In the next hour, we'll take you on a journey that up until now you've only read about in books, or not. And on that note, welcome back to another award-winning edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the weekend adaptation. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios, where 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance. So go to geico.com for a free rate quote. Tonight, we pay homage to the 2020 quarterback class, which is which is fast drawing comparisons with the other two historic quarterback drafts. And well, we're going to take a close look at the fast rising stock of a trio of young Turks who seemingly, well, they've latched on quickly. They continue to turn heads. Plus, I've got some more hardball grist for the mill, just as I said I would last week. This is a fluid story. I've got the dirt. You know you love dirt. And in about 15 minutes, Steve Fezzik will join us via phone as we chop up Week 10 in the NFL in rapid-fire fashion. Later on, after Brian Finley's epic update, Sleepy will weigh in on another best bet. And I'm going to actually debunk three Harbaugh narratives that the Harbaugh defenders insist on giving. I'll give you a lot of historical perspective. And then, of course, we wrap things up tonight with Mackinac Sports, as we always do. We close down the show with a thinking man segment of the program. We're going to talk about some Super Bowl hopefuls that no one else seems to give notice to, but we're going to. Sports or entertainment, they're more than that. They're shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. When you've come to the right place, we've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Dick Bremer, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. By the way, before I start, I want to give a shout-out, a birthday shout-out to one of our listeners, Chewy in Houston. Follow him on Little Chewy at, uh, at Twitter. He's a good follow, and uh, we always appreciate that Chewy's a big fan of Straight Out of Vegas on Saturday night. So happy birthday to Chewy in Houston. All right, for a while now, I've been saying that the NFL 2020 is the year of the quarterback. That is to say that I know you still need a defense to win a championship, but in 2020, it's quarterbacks who are winning games, and they're ultimately going to be responsible for winning somebody a championship, at least this season. So let's give this some perspective, because historians, well, you'll remember, they always remember and remind us that 1983 was when the gold standard for first-round quarterback home run hits was established. Now, the class of 83, it will forever be known as the ultimate year of the quarterback because of the six uh, signal callers that went in the first round. John Elway, Dan Marino, Jim Kelly, Tony Eason, Kenny O'Brien, and then Todd Blackledge. And this was, this was the highest number of first-round picks for that position ever. But when it comes to quarterback selected, you can make a serious argument that the 2004 NFL draft is every bit as good, maybe even better than the 83 draft. Why? Well, Eli Manning, he went first overall that year. Phillip Rivers was the fourth pick. And Ben Roethlisberger was right behind both of them at 11. So you got Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, Ben Roethlisberger, all of them. All of them transformed the prosperities of their respective franchises. Eli got the Giants back to the Super Bowl. He won two rings, including one of the most memorable upsets of all time over the undefeated New England Patriots. Roethlisberger won rings of his own starting in his second season in the league. In fact, he was so impactful for the Steelers that he started to conjure up memories of those great Steelers teams of the 70s. But you can't have this conversation without including Phillip Rivers because even though he hasn't won a Super Bowl, 
He might wind up as actually being the best pure passer of the bunch. And while he toiled with the Chargers for many, many years, he was so good, he'll likely be up there in the conversation with Dan Marino as the best quarterback to never win a Super Bowl when you look at the stats. So in summary, Eli Manning, two Super Bowls, one both. Big Ben led the Steelers to glory twice in three attempts, won his first title in only his second year with Pittsburgh. Then a few years later, Pittsburgh defeated the Arizona Cardinals in Super Bowl, I think it was 38, when Big Ben hit Santonio Holmes with that incredible touchdown pass in the corner of the end zone. By the way, I covered Super Bowl 40 in Detroit when they beat Seattle. So there, I was there. All right, look, so what's better? Is it going to a bunch of championship games and losing the majority of them, or is it winning the title game fewer times, but winning it more often. Now, if you ask Jim Kelly, I'll bet he'd take one Super Bowl over not winning in multiple games. Rivers has the numbers, but not the hardware. Big Ben has a solid resume and certainly among the league's best QBs in the last decade. Eli's a little tricky. He's won two titles. And, you know, but the Giants also didn't make the playoffs many years with Eli, you know, under center. They relied a lot on defense in their run game and hoped that Eli wouldn't screw it up. Okay, fair enough. But no doubt he had solid seasons, and overall, I do think he's a gold jacket guy, but but barely. Now, before I move on, how about just put this in your pipe and smoke it? Because when it comes to the NFL's all-time passing leaders, here's how the 83 and 04 groups rank. Marino 5th, River 6th, Manning 7th, Roethlisberger 8th, Elway 9th and Jim Kelly 27th. Now, that's a pretty balanced scale, but I digress because this is where I'm going with this narrative. The argument for the greatest draft class has always been between 83 and 04, and there's a legit case for both sides. But then every few years, you get a crop of quarterbacks that start to buzz again, and usually there's a letdown. But although it involves some speculation, it's looking like the 2020 draft class might have to enter the mix. It starts with Joe Burrow, who, frankly, look, his senior year at LSU, his stock wasn't that high, but he had an epic season. Okay, Everybody up to that point was talking about Tua Tagovailoa and no one else. Then Burrow wins the Heisman, goes nuts at LSU. They win the national championship. And coaches who really evaluated him said he was NFL ready. And the marketing was perfect for you know Cincinnati. He's an Ohio guy. Bring him home. Let him resurrect this franchise. It's been you know a mess forever. However, there was still doubt because people weren't sure if his season at LSU was because Burrow was good or there was just a phenomenal supporting cast. But in the end, most people seemed to settle on the idea that Burrow would be a good quarterback, and he had the right demeanor for the game. Perhaps, if nothing else, he's a safe choice. All right. He's proved everyone wrong. Burrow, in my opinion, is the best rookie quarterback we've seen in decades. He's only had eight games, but he's not only on a pace to smash records as a rookie quarterback, but he has now he now gets to be mentioned, I think, against the best quarterbacks who have come along the uh, you know come along like he has. Here's his 2020 stats so far. He's completed 67 percent of his passes, thrown for almost 2,300 yards, 11 touchdowns, five interceptions. 91.4 QB rating. His 16-game uh, full-season projection, okay, 67% complete, 4,600 yards, 22 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. 91.4 quarterback rating for Cincinnati. They're brutal until he came along. Now, that would amount to more passing yards than any season, any season in Eli Manning's entire career, period. And a quarterback rating on the year that Manning only surpassed five times in his entire career. So when it comes to number one overall picks, it's clear to me 
Burrow is worthy of the hype. Meanwhile, Tua, he's bounced back from his injury, and I'm glad to see it. I understand why the Bengals didn't want to roll the dice on Tua, and even though a lot of people believe they should have, after that devastating hip injury, there were real questions about whether he would ever really bounce back and be himself. Ultimately, the Dolphins, they took a shot. Okay, he was the fifth pick overall. Miami was smart. They eased him into the game. They waited six, seven, eight weeks, let Ryan Fitzpatrick start the season. Now they've handed the baton to Tua, and he has been terrific. It's you know, I, it's critical to remember that while Burrow is playing very well, he also has a much better cast of receivers in Cincinnati than Miami does. Nonetheless, we are seeing the second incredible quarterback out of the 2020 draft blossoming. Too soon to give to his stats, but they're good. He hasn't thrown an interception yet, three touchdowns, 104 quarterback rating. Yeah, small sample size, but the talent is undeniable. And then there's number three, Justin Herbert. He's a dark horse who came out of left field, and he's also blowing away all expectations. And Herbert was seen as a risk. Okay, he played well at Oregon, but there was real question, you know, could he handle pressure? And, and he was selected sixth overall, and he was supposed to learn behind Tyrod Taylor. But then his number was called because Taylor, we've already, already forgotten. It's, it's crazy. He got his lung punctured with a needle, but that's a story for another day. But that is so 2020, I can't, you know, I can't even describe that. Now, I know the Chargers have a terrible record, but it's not that it's not his fault. It's how they're losing, and they're keeping games close, and then they blow it at the end because their defense can't hold on. But again, Justin Herbert in just a handful of games, my goodness, he's already thrown for 2,100 yards, 17 touchdowns, five interceptions, a 107 quarterback rating. He's on a pace to throw 34 touchdowns, 10 interceptions, complete 68% of his passes. Nobody could have predicted how good he was going to be. I didn't. And the Chargers have been a little lucky in the process. But look, remember when the Colts got rid of Peyton Manning? Well, they didn't get rid of Peyton Manning. They sort of parted, parted company. But then they have Andrew Luck fall in their lap. Well, Phillip Rivers to Justin Herbert is a similar scenario with a little bit more risk. But here's the bottom line. How do these trios really compare? It takes a little bit of projection, and there are different factors. But Eli Manning and Ben Roethlisberger were thrown into play from the jump while Rivers sat behind Drew Brees for a couple of seasons. So if you look at the numbers based on the first 16 starts, Manning, Rivers, and Roethlisberger cumulatively 57 touchdowns, 44 interceptions, and 8,900 yards. Here's where I make my case, Perry Mason. Listen to this 2020 trio with Burrow, Tagovailoa, and Herbert. 12,177 yards, 80 touchdowns, and 20 interceptions. That's far better than the class of 2004. By the way, did I mention cumulatively they're completing 66% of their passes? When that uh, 2004 trio completed only 58% of their passes. Now, I get it. The league's changed a lot since 2004. Okay, and the rules have changed, and it favors quarterbacks. There's more passing. But the bottom line is... These guys, we're talking about them, and they deserve it, in the same superlatives that we used in the 2004 draft and even the 1983 draft. Now, again, this current group has a lot to do on the field. And you know that old French word, potential, and what it really stands for, right? But for now, this is not a mirage. You're not seeing things. It's something to really pay attention to. We've got three young quarterbacks that they may be talking about in the same reverence many years down the road as we did with the 83 draft and the 2020 draft. Coming up, Steve Fezzik, the only two-time winner of the prestigious Hilton Now Westgate Super Contest. 
He'll join us, and we're going to knock out NFL Week 10 in rapid-fire fashion. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? It means you probably should have gone to geico.com 15 minutes ago. I'm Bernie Ferrato. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio Studios. Without any further ado, let's go to our guest. He's the only two time winner of the Super Contest. You hear him here. Weekdays on Fox Sports Radio, 3 to 4 Pacific, 6 to 7 Eastern, on Straight Out of Vegas. It is Steve Fezzik. Let's head to Pittsburgh. I want to start there because, uh, look, they're undefeated. Uh, they have some advanced metrics that I think that really catch my eye. Tackle, number one in the league in tackles for loss, quarterback hits, sacks, these types of things. They're laying seven, seven and a half to the Cincinnati Bengals, who've been competitive. I get the feeling you like the favorite here. I actually like the dog, a lean dog, all about energy. Bengals off of a bye. Pittsburgh, three straight tough games at Tennessee, at Baltimore, and they certainly could have lost the game against the Cowboys. So because of the energy edge, I'd lean Bengals. Very interesting because they, for some reason I thought you thought the, the line should have been closer to double digits. But be that as it may, we move on. All right, let's go to my old stomping grounds, Detroit, where the Lions are a short favorite, three and a half against the Washington football team who actually sort of impressed me last week fans they outgained the new york giants by three and a half yards of play problem is they turned the ball over five times and that's that's a losing proposition lions no kenny galladay but the washington football team will be starting a professional quarterback by the name of alex smith i like washington here your thoughts yeah, it's a good point. Let me clarify. I make power ratings on every team, so I did make Pittsburgh a 10-point favorite on my power ratings. It's all about the situational spot that okay. uh, favors the Bengals. On Washington, Detroit, you know, Alex Smith is the worst of the three Washington quarterbacks, and I've got a, as a one-and-a-half-point downgrade from Kyle Allen. I don't have much on this one. I'm passing, Bernie. Okay, sounds good. Cleveland, their home laying a short line against the uh, Houston Texans. Texans only 4-12 and 12 against the number in their last 16. And Baker Mayfield, he seems to have very good games against non-playoff teams. And this is another game where my power ratings don't support it, but I really like Cleveland because of the situations. Two weeks ago, Cleveland played in 40-mile-an-hour wins, and they frankly didn't play very well. Well, they didn't have their running back, Chubb. Now they'll have Chubb. They'll have that experience of playing in those horrible conditions, and it's Houston that's without their running back in David Johnson. Dome team from the south heads out to the elements. Cleveland rolls. Excellent points. Speaking of the elements, Green Bay will host Jacksonville. They're laying the biggest number of the day. I've seen 14, I've seen 13 and a half, but some people I respect have actually laid it. I'm not involved. Your thoughts? Yeah, and I saw some sharp money on Green Bay here as well. Again, team yeah. from the south comes to the elements up north with the wind, and Luton um, exceeded expectations, their rookie quarterback for Jacksonville. Can he do it again? I'm going to pass. All right, a game I'm curious to see your take on very much because I like Philadelphia a lot tomorrow, laying points on the road, short line. Eagles 10-2 and outright in their last 12 visiting the New York uh, Giants uh, in the Meadowlands. 
won by an average margin of six points. I think this is a terrible matchup for the Giants' fest for a simple reason. Their offense ranks 30th or worst in four major categories, and Philly's defense is actually top 10 in four major categories. I don't think the Giants can score points. Yeah, I like Philly here as well. You know, this is only Philly's second game in 23 days, so it's obvious they had a bye. What's not obvious is before the bye, they had a semi-bye because they got a game on Thursday, and if ever there was a team as banged up as Philly was to get healthier. So uh, Miles Sanders leads the league in yards per rush. They're running back, and both their tight ends have been hurt. Dallas Goddard finally came back last game. He was not 100%. He should be much better. They have Lane Johnson, so with a bunch of – guys back on the offense i like philly all right depending where people got this game uh carolina i i fired on it immediately tuesday morning i actually got seven tampa bay goes on the road we know brady's terrific coming off a loss but most of those stats were accumulated in new england and i will tell you fez what made me fire on Carolina is the fact that Teddy Bridgewater's 32 and 11 against the spread in his career and 11 and 1 off the loss. I get a feeling they keep it close. A lot of people disagree with me. I agree with you. I fired on Carolina early. I only got plus six. And frankly, there's been a ton of money on Tampa in the last 48 hours, and it has me having concerns. But I'm going to trust my handicap. Carolina's a team on the come, 5-2 and two against the spread, the last seven playing better. And frankly, these teams played week two, and Carolina should have only lost by seven in that game at Tampa. That means they should be able to cover when they're home catching six. Should be interesting. I just I know this sounds crazy because it's like being a fish better, but I just don't see Carolina winning outright, but I just don't see Tampa running away. All right, Denver and the Raiders. The Raiders have actually done a lot better than people think, laying four and a half against the visiting Broncos. I'm going to go over the 50 and a half. My gut tells me that the Raiders are going to be able to put points up on Denver and that Denver offense has looked very good, at least in the second half, the last two games, and Denver offense getting healthier. Noah Fant's going to play. Judy's looking like he's going to be fine over 50 and a half. Arizona really let me down last week. I had them against Miami, and they won the stats battle but lost the game to come home, laying two and a half against Buffalo. This feels like a very high-scoring game to me. Yeah, I went on Arizona here, and it's all about Arizona needing the game more. Buffalo, 7-2, and two, game and a half lead. I think they know that they're going to win the division, and whether they win this game or not, it's clear if Arizona loses another home game, they're not going to win the division, and they're still in contention. So with more to play for, I like Arizona. Talking with Steve Fezzik, the only two-time winner of the Super Contest. Catch him here weekdays, Fox Sports Radio 3 or 4 Pacific. 6-7 to seven Eastern on straight out of Vegas. Seattle and the Rams. Seattle blindly in Russell Wilson's career, 83% winning outright after a loss. But as you've talked about for quite a while now, the Rams have put in a lot of frequent flyer miles, even though they're coming off a bye. i got to believe there's some fatigue still. Well, there's no doubt that there's been fatigue with the Rams here the entire year, four trips to the East Coast, and that's really my handicap, that the Rams are undervalued because they had to play all those games carrying that fatigue, and maybe it doesn't go away completely, but off of a bye, most of it does go away. Rams number one in the NFL in yards per play differential. I won't lay three, but as long as you can get it at minus two and a half, I think it's a play. All right, a game that's getting a lot of attention for obvious reasons. Two sensational rookie quarterbacks teed up in Miami. And I know two has won back-to-back games, but here's a red flag for me, Fez. 
Miami was outgained cumulatively between the Rams and Arizona by 460 yards in those two games. The Chargers have led in every game this season, and they've been fabulous the last two years as a road dog of under six points. I get the feeling the Chargers win this game outright tomorrow. People think I'm nuts. You know, I just had an epiphany on this game, Bernie. We know the Chargers blow every close game and find creative ways to lose. So why don't we just take the Chargers plus the half in the first half and be done with it before they mess it up in the fourth quarter? Yeah, I'm just not that smart. I can't practice psychology without a license. I think one of these games are going to finish. I, I, I think they've got two on film now a bit. And I, it's a, is it not a red flag for you to be outgained by almost 500 yards and two wins back-to-back? Oh, absolutely an issue. They've got the worst quarterback in Tua versus Fitzpatrick. And the Miami game, they got out first down 31-8. to eight. There you go. All right, Baltimore, New England. I just can't be involved in this game. I don't know if the book's taken any bets on New England. It's Baltimore, Baltimore, Baltimore. But you know why? I mean, Cam's 3-4. and four. He's thrown two touchdowns and seven interceptions, 77 passer rating. Baltimore should go. You would think on paper Baltimore would go in and have their way, but for some reason I just don't want to be involved in this game. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I bet Baltimore. I hate betting against the Patriots, and I lost with Buffalo against the Patriots by the hook. But um, I laid the seven with Baltimore, just a much, much better team. If New England didn't have those helmets and those jerseys on, and you just looked at the resume and their stats, Baltimore should be laying 10 in this game. Right. They're not the Patriots anymore. Just just the uniforms. San Francisco getting a bunch at New Orleans. I don't want to lay it. I don't want to take it. What are your thoughts? So I'm going to go ahead and steal from R.J. Bell here because R.J. made a compelling case that this line has moved too much. The look-ahead line on this game was 6.5. What's happened since? Well, two primetime games that there were blowouts in. The Niners got blown out, and then we all saw the Saints play the perfect game against Tampa. So let's move that number from 6.5, and and let's move it to 8.5 maybe, maybe 9. But now the 10s are popping up. Um, Whenever I get one team that was blown out and embarrassed against a team that got the blowout, I want to play on the team that was embarrassed, that will put forth their best effort. I'd look to play the Niners. Just got about 20 seconds, Fizz. Minnesota, Chicago, I said last week, I thought the Vikings were starting to hit their stride. They were. Do they continue? I don't know. Every trend in the world points to betting the Bears in this game, and my gut says the Vikings win easily. I pass. Thanks for coming on, Fez. Let's do it again next week. Best bet Browns to destroy the Texans in the wind. Very good. That is Steve Fezzik, the only two-time winner of the Super Contest. He joins us every Saturday night at 1120. You want to be there for that. Coming up, Sleepy's got a best bet, another player prop, and I'm going to debunk three narratives that the hardball defenders, the Jim Harbaugh defenders, just don't want to let go of. But first... Hey, I'm a BF. He's a BF. We're both BFFs. <laughs> Haven't talked to him in three weeks, oh, and we miss goodness. him with the white-hot intensity of a million suns. Let's go to Brian Finley with the latest. Bernie, that was your best intro so far. Whatever school you're going to, as far as how you write those, they deserve a raise. The final game of the Pac-12 finishing up tonight, and it was without controversy, or at least there was, I thought. Washington, yes, they did sweat out a 27-21 win over Oregon State, and the Beavers quarterback Tristan Gebbia on fourth and five with under a minute to go through 
the ball off a helmet of one of his offensive linemen. The ball springs in the air and it gets picked off by the Huskies. But earlier, when the Beavers were driving inside UW's red zone, there was a questionable spot by the officials, which on fourth down gave the ball back to the Huskies while the Beavers were driving. Staying in the conference, number 11 Oregon climbs out of a 12-point deficit and flicks away Washington State 43-29. 20th USC runs in a touchdown with 25 seconds left to stupefy Arizona 34-30. Number 2 Notre Dame outfoxes Boston College 45-31. Ian Book coolly commanded the offense with four touchdowns. Six Sixth-ranked Florida warping Arkansas 63-35. Kyle Trask flinging six scores. 13th-ranked Wisconsin domesticates Jim Harbaugh's Michigan Wolverines 49-11. UM gained all of one yard over their first four drives. The Badgers looking focused. They played their first game since October 23rd after a COVID-19 outbreak. Dustin Johnson, a four-shot lead heading into Sunday's final round at the Masters. He is at 16 under after a Saturday 65. Phil Mickelson barfing up a 79 on Saturday. He's 18 shots off the pace. Whether you rent or own, Geico makes it easy to bundle home and auto insurance. Visit geico.com to learn more. Now back to Bernie Frado, also known as an award-winning socialite in Vegas. Wow, domesticates. That's very blurred lines of you, Brian. Good stuff. <laughs> Thank you, Bernie. All right, that's Brian Finley. Thanks so much, Brian. All right. Sleepy has been very hot this year on his best bets. He's back to an old favorite player props in a game that's going to get a lot of attention tomorrow. We just talked about it with Fez, and that's when Tampa Bay and Carolina Hook up. Let's give it a listen. All right, Bernie, Week 10 NFL best bet. Let's go right back to our bread and butter with another player prop. I'm recommending a play on Leonard Fournette over 58.5 rushing and receiving yards. The Bucks' offense last week, Bernie, it was just a jumbled mess. The addition of Antonio Brown on the field with the healthy Chris Godwin, it just made for an erratic-looking offense. You add in Scotty Miller, Gronk, Mike Evans, and a host of others, and that Bucks' offense, it just simply had no continuity. I think the Buccaneers dumbed down the offense this week. They look to use the run game and perhaps the short passing game against the Panthers. Bruce Arians, now he had some critical comments about Brady's play last week, but I'm thinking Arians is going to go ahead, put Brady in a position, you know, to go ahead and succeed this week. When Fournette has had double-digit rushing attempts, not only have the Bucks won, but they've won those games rather easily. I certainly think the touches for Fournette will be there in the receiving game as he leads the Bucks team in receiving yards between he and Ronald Jones. The Panthers' defense, to me, I think it's about average, but I don't think Fournette is an average running back. I believe the Tampa offense says, look, Antonio, we need you on the field for these plays and these assignments. Same goes for Gronk, Bray, Scotty Miller. We know Mike Evans and Godwin. They're going to be the mainstays, but look for Tampa to dial back the experiment of integrating way too many weapons in this game. Tampa's goal is to win the Super Bowl, and clearly last week it looked sloppy. They looked rather clueless, trying to feed just way too many mouths. You know, that resulted in a ton of mistakes for the Bucks, I think Tampa reverts back to running the ball here and getting the running backs involved in the short passing game. Therefore, my best bet for NFL Week 10, Leonard Fournette over 58.5 rushing and receiving yards. Makes sense to me. I do think uh, Tampa Bay is going to put up some offense tomorrow, and it's unthinkable to recall that 
They only ran the ball. Tampa Bay only ran the ball four times last week. So you know they're going to fix that and establish the running game tomorrow. And, you know, Fournette could break one for 30 in one play. So seems like that's not a tall order to get over those 58 yards. That's Sleepy's best bet tomorrow. Leonard Fournette over 58 yards rushing and receiving. All right. I want to talk about Jim Harbaugh because uh, he's going to be more and more in the news. And let me just say this. Let me give you a little history uh, revision, a little history lesson to start. So in 1968, Michigan was coached by a guy named Bump Elliott. He he was highly thought of. As a matter of fact, when he stepped down after the 68 season, Bo Schembechler Schembechler was hired. He was was retained in the athletic department. He he had a good winning record. He was 7-3 that year, but he could not beat Ohio State. In 1968, actually, let me me tie this to tonight's Wisconsin game, and here's why. Because Wisconsin won 49-11. When they scored their final touchdown, I said, wouldn't that be something if they went for two and made it 50? Well, we're living in kinder, gentler times, but it wasn't that way in Woody Hayes' 1968 because in that 68 game, <clears throat> Ohio State led 42-14 to 14 as the game was winding down. Woody Hayes scored a touchdown, 48-14. He lines up for the extra point. He goes for two, and they win 50-14. to 14. In the post-game press conference, one of the reporters said, Woody, you were already up 48-14. Why did you go for two? And he said, because they wouldn't let me go for three. That was the final game that Bump Elliott ever coached for Michigan. Bo Beckler took over. The rest is history. History. He upset Ohio State in his very first season. So Harbaugh still has his defenders, and I'm not going to bash him. I'm just going to give you some facts, all right? And here's what the defenders say, and I'm going to debunk these narratives. Number one. You know, Harbaugh's never really had a star quarterback. Okay, whose fault is that? And oh, by the way, let's go over the national rankings that these quarterbacks were rated when they were coming out of high school per max preps. Brandon Peters was number six. Dylan McCaffrey, who just opted out and transferred, is number eight. Shea Patterson was number two in his high school class. And Joe Milton, who you've seen start these first four games for Michigan this year, was number five. By the way, isn't Harbaugh supposed to be the quarterback whisperer? And you may remember Wilton Spate, who did a decent job. He left the school, too, went to UCLA and started. And Jake Rudock, who was there Harbaugh's first, second year, he actually ended up in the NFL. So the notion that he never had a talented or star quarterback, well, not according to Max Preps, not according to their high school rankings, and Harbaugh may perhaps didn't develop any of these guys in the way he should have. Look, Urban Meyer once won a national championship with the third-string quarterback by the name of Cardell Jones. So I debunked that. The second thing, Michigan, well, they've never really been a national powerhouse. Oh, excuse me? Well, you might want to know that their own faithful don't see them that way. And even if they have never been one, Jim Harbaugh was supposed to be the Messiah to get them to that level. They thought they were getting Nick Saban, Urban Meyer, Dabo Sweeney, Kirby Smart, Brian Kelly, Chip Kelly. There have been seven teams that have gone to the Big Ten championship game, and none of them are named Michigan. Since the inception of that game, he hasn't even gone there once. And by the way, not for nothing, the four-letter network a couple of years ago listed the top the top 50 programs in the last 150 years, Michigan came in sixth. 
and perhaps justifiably so. And behind Alabama, Notre Dame, Oklahoma, Ohio State, and you may not know this, but Michigan actually has nine national titles to their game, to their name. Of course, none before, after 1933, or maybe one or two. I'm not sure. And just so you know, Michigan. In their history, they've beaten Ohio State 58 times and only lost 51 in the all-time series. So people can say, well, Michigan has never been a national power. Well, that's why Harbaugh was hired, to beat Ohio State, to go to the Big Ten championship game, and to go to the Final Four and CFB playoff. How is that working out? And again, the folks in Ann Arbor have a right to feel that way, to see themselves in a different light, because Michigan's been playing longer than anybody else. They've won more games than anybody else. And, you know, they're a little, they're a little crazy there in Ann Arbor. They, they believe it's their God-given right to win, and they just feel that it's their turn. They, they, they want one of those. They, when they see what Nick Saban does and Dabo Sweeney and Urban Meyer, they want one of those. Harbaugh was supposed to be that guy. The third thing you hear is, well, who are they going to replace him with? Okay, really? Yeah, who are they going to replace him with that can go 2-13 and 13 against top 10 teams? 3-8 and eight in their last 11 against any ranked team. 0-5 oh, against Ohio State. 1-6 and six at home against Michigan State and Ohio State. Cumulative in 1-4 and four in bowl games. And don't tell me bowl games are exhibitions. They're not. Because no one, I've covered, I covered Michigan for 14 years. They went to a lot of big bowl games, including the Rose Bowl. And in the last few years they've played, they've had to measure their their growth against Alabama and South Carolina and Florida and Florida State haven't done so well. They matter. So I debunk those three narratives. Now, we're going to continue to follow this story. I have some information on what may happen at the end of the year. And we all know that Harbaugh's contract is up at the end of 2021, and it doesn't look like they're going to renew him. Or they're going let's put it this way. They're not going to extend him, at least at this point. And so how do you recruit in this new era of early recruiting when they're recruiting classes of 2023? Next up, Rutgers. Okay, they get to play Rutgers at Rutgers next week. They're both one and three. And oh, by the way, the winner will have sole possession of fourth place in the Big Ten East. Can't wait for that one. But the thing that bothers me most now of these three narratives is, yeah, well, if he goes, who are you going to replace him with? That's like saying, never mind the cart, never mind the horses blind, fellas. Just keep loading the cart. All right, coming up, you know him, you love him, you can't live without him. We go to Mackinac Sports. We're going to talk about some teams under the radar that actually have a shot to win the Super Bowl, even though you might not agree with it. What does it mean when Geico says just 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on car insurance? means you probably should have gone to Geico.com 15 minutes ago. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Geico Fox Sports Radio studios. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. That would be Chris Perfett, Eric Roberts, and the silver tongue devil, Brian Finley. All right, you know him, you love him, you can't leave without him. Time for Mackinac Sports, the thinking man segment of the show. And let me set this up, McKenzie, because... The, the 2020 season is a little over halfway complete, and so you start to separate the contenders from the fringe playoff pretenders and those who really don't have much of a chance of doing something special. But when Sunday Night Football was complete in Week 9, 
The NFL featured 17 teams that are over 500, and if they end up expanding the field of teams with two games with a postseason spot, 22 of the NFL's 32 teams are in the mix with eight weeks of football left to go. So many fan bases still hope springs eternal. However, the top five I don't want to talk about, Kansas City, Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Green Bay, New Orleans, those are the ones talked about most as the teams that should win the Super Bowl. But I've got a list behind them that I believe are realistic, and I'm going to start with a, the most polarizing team in the NFL this year. That's the Tampa Bay Bucks. They're 6-3. and three. Their point differential is plus 47. They got a real shot because as long as the Bucks defense and pass rush show up, they can beat anyone. And Brady's not what he used to be, but he's got a ton of weapons to spread the ball to. And if Tampa Bay was in the AFC, they would be, you know, well, let's, I'll tell you what, let's not get too granular. <laughs> Tampa Bay, yes or no? Tampa Bay is a contender, Bernie. And if there is one team that doesn't need home field advantage, I think it's this Buccaneers team. There's only one team that will get a bye, but with no home field advantage, no crowd, I think this veteran group is ready to win three games there, here, anywhere when it comes to January and February. What I was trying to say that I mush mouth was that as an, it, it, because they're in the NFC, they're much more a contender than they would be if they'd been in the AFC. All right, the Seattle Seahawks. I'm going to say they're a contender. Yes, they have one of the worst defenses. I think second in yards given up through nine weeks. But when you have Pete Carroll, you know that these young group can get better week to week. They just need to put three weeks together. And you know on the other side of the ball, they're going to be fine. DJ Metcalf, the favorite to lead the league in receiving yards. Russell Wilson, the favorite to be the league MVP. By the way, you know New England could have drafted him, but they got uh... – Nikhil Harry. Yes, yes very yes. good. Very good. You know. All right. By the way, uh, Seattle does have a real shot because Russell Wilson is Russell Wilson is brilliant. You've got the attitude of Pete Carroll. And I know Seattle's defense is being exposed for what it is. It has been all year. I've made no bones about that. But the NFL playoffs, I believe this year, the NFC playoffs, are going to come down to shootouts. I've been saying it all year. It's the year of the quarterback. So I think they've got a real puncher's chance. And here's the thing. If your one weakness is pass defense, you know what they call that? Room for improvement. <laughs> well, Seattle's got a lot of room for improvement. Oh, yeah. But I will tell you, they're going to be a tough out because of Russell Wilson and to a degree because of Pete Carroll. The Rams aren't talked about by anybody, but they got a real shot. They're a real sleeper team. They're 5-3, and three, point differential plus 41. All right, they stunk it up in Miami, even though they – outgained the Dolphins by 330 yards, and so they're kind of out of sight, out of mind. But let's look at the big picture. The Rams still have an excellent head coach. That they have an excellent play caller, a quarterback who knows how to win, and they've got a top-tier defense. So I, I get the sense that they're built to win on the road in the playoffs, and they can beat you in any type of game, a shootout or a low-scoring game. I think the Rams are dangerous. 100% agree. If you look at Sean McVay, he's been better on the road throughout his career than he has been at home. I think Aaron Donald is the kind of legendary defensive player that's going to end his career with the Super Bowl ring one way or another. Yes, the Rams are contender for sure. All right, two to go. We'll go quickly. Buffalo, they're 7-2. and two. Uh, Look, their chance is a little more slight, but they got a shot. Buffalo look great. They're going over Seattle, and we're talking about a team with a point differential that is really just barely over 500. But the bottom line is the defense is down, 
But Josh Allen has a shot to steal a game. Long shot, but Buffalo can't count him out. Call me a skeptic on Josh Allen. I know there was a point when people said, no way the Patriots can win the Super Bowl. Tom Brady's their quarterback. And now that sounds crazy. That's what I'm thinking right now about Josh Allen. I'll be proven wrong, maybe. I don't see it with this guy. All right, real quickly, the Indianapolis Colts, here's why they have a real shot. I believe they're the AFC's version of the Rams. Best offensive line in football. If Phillip Rivers was a little younger, I'd really actually have them ahead of the Bills. However, good defense. They've got weapons. You heard me talk about the quarterback class. Rivers could get it done. They're structured like a modern-day Super Bowl contender. And the quarterback's last name, Rivers? Oh, my God. Beautiful last name. Wonderful. Anyone with that last name should just pat themselves on the back for a great week of work done this week, huh? Ladies and gentlemen, that's Mackin Rivers. You can find him on Twitter, Mackenzie Rivers. He does have a pretty cool last name. It's awesome, right? Roll in with the homies. All right, good job. That is Mackin on Sports. You know him, you love him, you can't live without him. I want to thank Steve Fezzik for joining us tonight. As always, have fun tomorrow, folks. Week 10, make it a winner. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. I'm Bernie Fratto. Next up, the man from Nashville who brings it strong. Yes, it is time for the Jason Martin Show. Keep it locked. Straight out of Vegas!